Ross, I have to ask this question because it is the elephant in the room, I'm afraid. A number of people have been less than pleased, let me put it that way, with some of the strategy about acquiring new customers through email. Some will call it spam, others will call it good business. The big fear, and I have to say it from reading the tweets, was that the acquisition of Podchase will mean that you've now got a massive database to go after. What is the strategy from ACAST going forward? Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's Thursday, the 21st of July, 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News. And I'm Sam Sethi, the MD of River Radio, the podcast first radio station. Hi, I'm Moritz from Albi. I'm talking about the Albi browser extension. I'm also talking about the Albi wallet and how we can support podcasting 2.0 and the value for value concept. Hi, I'm Ross Adams, the CEO of Baycast, and I'll be on later to talk about the acquisition of Podchaser. I'm Bradley Davis. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Podchaser, and I'll be on Podland later to talk about the acquisition of Podchaser. They will. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,095 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout, and now there's Buzzsprout ads to grow your podcast wherever it's hosted. And we're sponsored by Squadcast, the remote recording tool that creators love. Squadcast has just launched version 5. It's got new features in there, new look. It's got this thing called Backstage, which is very clever. Uh, This week, over 4,000 hours of high-quality audio was remotely recorded using Squadcast. Now, Podland is where James and I review this week's top podcasting stories covered on Podnews. Podland supports both transcripts and chapters, but if your app doesn't, grab a new podcast app from podnews.net forward slash new podcast apps and you'll be able to use our chapters to jump to the best bits yes antenna pod also does that as well which is uh, nice as of this week and you'll also find all the links to stories in our show notes previous shows and interviews at podland.news and daily podcast news at podnews.net Oh, Sam, it's been a week, hasn't it? Well, it has, yeah. I mean, we heard that Acast had acquired Podchaser, which is a big story in itself. So, James, you wrote the story about it. It's worth $34 million, which is a a big chunk of money, I guess. Yeah, that's a big chunk of change. So Podchaser is essentially the world's most comprehensive and authoritative podcast database, at least that's what it calls itself. contains lots of information, including demographic information and estimates about uh, podcast download numbers and everything else, which are um, which are estimates, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, a ton of a ton of information in there, and it's going to really help Acast's uh, advertisers as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the Twitter sphere on the back of that announcement was very interesting. Uh, a number of tweets that went out. Mark Asquith from Captivate said, "It's a conversation I know is happening around the space. We're essentially sending data to a competitor who sends." emails to our customers asking them to move todd cochran said he'll pull his shows because of acast spamming and poaching quite harsh but uh, maybe fair rob greenlee all i will say is that it's a terrific exit for Podchase and the team in the midst of a growing recession and possible softening of podcast marketing so you know some were just congratulatory out there others were like matt cundle wonders whether to keep his information on Podchaser. well the only way to find out is that we reached out to ross and to bradley to congratulate them on the acquisition but we also wanted to know what was ross's strategy now going forward with email 
So, Ross, starting off with you first, when did you start to think about the acquisition of Podchaser and why did you acquire it? Good question. I think we've been thinking about acquisitions in general for a long time. Part of our IPO, actually, in the raise we made, part of that strategy was to look at M&A. We've known Podchaser for a good couple of years now. I'm really impressed with what they've done and how they've progressed over the years. And we had a conversation a few months back and thought, actually, this would make sense to join forces and see how we can help supercharge their strategy and ours, which is to keep the open ecosystem open. Bradley, clearly when ACOS approached you, that must have been an interesting period. Internally, was it the right time for you to be acquired? Is that what's going to help you grow? I know you've announced that you're going to stay independent, but what was the thought process when you first had the approach from ACOS? I think we're a bit unique in that a lot of homes don't make sense for us. We want to keep doing what we're doing and we want to get bigger and grow. And when we first started talking to Acast, which happened pretty organically as we had a, a partnership just a few months ago and we got to know their team a bit more, it was unique in that they support the same stuff we do, the whole open ecosystem. And they're one of the very few companies that actually support it. And so it made it easier for us to have that conversation internally to think this may be the only right fit for us if we were to sell the company instead of just raising more money. And so it happened organically, and then we realized pretty quickly it was a great fit. Ross, one of the quotes within the press release was, once integrated, this combination of Podchaser and Acast will push forward the innovation, elevating discoverability. Can you give us a little bit more on what you mean by that? Yeah, I think there's three key areas that I believe that this acquisition helps us as a collective achieve. Firstly, of course, you have the listener side, which is around the discoverability of the likes of new podcasts and, you know, for listeners to be able to find information about existing ones across all different listening apps and collecting the 1.7 billion data points verified by podcasts themselves is a huge thing. We then secondly have advertisers, which obviously is a huge part of our business model. And it's really key that this trustworthy, verified and transparent data helps advertisers in the right way and reach those engaged kind of podcast audiences efficiently with the likes of minimum wastage or, or targeting. We really want to make sure we have the best targeting available in the market. And then, of course, for our creators, which is the heart of our business and what we do, it's really important that we help our creators enable growth for their shows and, of course, in turn, making more money through increased visibility amongst the, the listeners and advertisers. So it's a lovely, you know, circle. Now, Brad, I noted that you're going to stay independent, but with the extra funding behind you, what can we expect next from Podchaser? Obviously, you must have a roadmap already. So now you've got the funding to make it happen. Yeah, we're going to get a nice influx of data from ACAST. We're going to continue to get more data from all of our partners. And from our roadmap, it's remaining essentially the same. We're going to build really cool discovery tools. And to Ross's point, make it easier for listeners to find podcasts. They get more listeners. They can sell more ads. And we make it easier for those brands to find the podcast to sponsor. So we're doubling, tripling down on discovery tools through our pro product and then through what we call our core to make it super easy for people to find stuff to listen to. So what's really cool is that we're just going to keep doing what we do. And that's what we're most excited about. Now, being the open ecosystem, are you supporting the podcast index 2.0 extensions? I mean, where are you in your thinking about some of those extensions that you could integrate? Yeah, we've been involved with that project from the beginning. I think there's certainly ways that we're going to be working together. We certainly support uh, the mission at whole 
And we've certainly wanted to get our creator data integrated into that system. So yeah, uh, we're friends and we plan to continue to work with Podcasting 2.0 initiative. Ross, I have to ask this question because it is the elephant in the room, I'm afraid. A number of people have been less than pleased, let me put it that way, with some of the strategy about acquiring new customers through email. Some will call it spam, others will call it good business. I note that you've stopped doing that, or at least James has. But again, the big fear, and I have to say it from reading the tweets, was that the acquisition of Podchase will mean that you've now got a massive database to go after. What is the strategy from ACAST going forward? I mean, you know, I think email has been part of our marketing strategy, right? But I think if anyone thinks that the purpose of us spending that money and acquiring Podchase to expand our email marketing isn't a great strategy to do that. Our mission with Podchase Key, as we talked about, is to supercharge that open podcasting ecosystem. Email has always been part of our iterative uh, marketing strategy. Acast. You know, as a product led company, we're constantly testing and learning new things and we've tested it. We learned a, a huge amount and we've decided to focus on other marketing strategies instead. Okay. You mentioned right at the beginning, Ross, that the IPO was there to give you a war chest for MA, Podchaser being one. You know, you've done a few other companies recently as well. Is that going to be an ongoing strategy as well? Can we expect to see more MA coming out of Acast? Yeah, I think MA is, you know, Clearly a key part of our strategy alongside the likes of growing in America and expanding into new territories as well. I think on the M&A front, you know, we of course are talking to lots of companies like everyone does on the M&A front. I can't say any more about whether we will complete anything in the future. And also Spotify, the closed ecosystem, Apple, the black hole, friend or foe. I mean, you know, the double-edged sword, you have to be with them to integrate, but... How do you play with them nicely? I mean, we're friends with everyone, uh, Acast. I think Spotify, a company that I helped launch back in the day, you know, I know them very well. They have a different approach to the podcast ecosystem with the Walled Garden approach. But for us, it's all about championing that open ecosystem and trying to supercharge that. That's one of the big key reasons why we are acquiring Podchaser is exactly for that reason. Last question. You made a switch or at least a, a lovely marketing term called conversational marketing. What was that for? Was that because you felt that it was a better way of getting advertising aligned to the context of the conversation? And the second part of that question is, will subscriptions replace advertising at ACAST? Is that the longer term plan? I'll answer the last one first. I think subscriptions would be a good additive part of how podcasters make money. For some podcasters, advertising doesn't make sense but they have an avid fan base that are really willing to pay for extra content or a closer relationship with their podcast host. So I don't necessarily think it's going to replace advertising. I just think it's going to be additive. I think on the conversational targeting, for us, we're always trying to evolve opportunities for advertisers. I think if you look a few years ago when we launched this, actually Google launched something quite similar afterwards, which was around their approach to conversational targeting. You know, it's all about context. And I think as data gets harder and harder to use moving forward, the context in which you advertise is equally as important, if not more important. And I think understanding the context of what's happening within a podcast and the tonality of that is really important for an advertiser to realize and work out where their advert should be around. So for us, we double down on that. And that is clearly something we're evolving. And we think it's a great targeting opportunity for advertisers moving forward. Last question. I said the last one was, but this one is video. There's a lot of chatter going around about YouTube coming into the space. Obviously, Apple and Spotify already support video podcasting in some form. What's ACAST's stance on video? 
I wouldn't say we really have a stance on video. For us, we're focused on audio. It's a big enough space at the moment, and RSS is a mechanism around the open podcast ecosystem. Video is something that we are um, obviously aware of, but it's not something that we're necessarily doubling down on. It's a great acquisition. Brad, drinks on you in Dallas. That's all I'll say to you, mate. <laughs> and, well, gentlemen, congratulations to you both. Thanks. Thank you for your time, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks very yep. much, Sam. Thanks, Sam. So it looks like Ross is saying it was an email experiment and they've stopped those spam emails. I have to say, haven't seen any since mid-June. And uh, they've been, uh, I think, you know, because they've been deliberately targeting podcast hosts and customers of specific podcast hosts, uh, I think that's what's got people's backs up. If you deliberately go after Transistor or Captivate or Blueberry, then of course it's going to really upset those people. I don't think they made any friends doing it, and I don't think it was um, a particularly bright thing to end up uh, doing. But um, good to hear at least a little bit of change, and certainly you know, no uh, spam so far as I'm aware from Acast uh, since uh, mid-June, and there may be a reason why I know this, Sam, coming up in just a second. Yeah, well, I'd just like to say, uh, it's the first time I've had a chat with Ross, and he's a really nice guy. Obviously, I know Bradley, had a drink with him in LA and stuff. Um, I do think this will be a really interesting acquisition uh, and a really good uh, move forward for both companies. Yeah, we'll take Ross at his word and see what happens going forward. I guess, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Was he wearing his hat? He was wearing a nice hat. Yes, and I didn't know he was in Hertfordshire in England. I thought he was in Sweden, possibly or wherever. Evo Terra has been updating his Who Owns Who in Podcasting dot com, uh, which is a very cool thing. Uh, so many congratulations, Evo, on that. Now. Spam seems to be the uh, word of the week. Spam, spam, spam. And uh, James, I'm very impressed. You created a spam trap. Um, tell me more. I did, yes. So three months ago, I created a spam trap. I have to be honest, I was trying to catch Acast out. And Acast never sent me any spam. Didn't send me a single thing. Um, but I uh, uh, essentially changed the email address in the Pod News RSS feed to be um, a algorithmically generated one that basically includes who you are and where you've come from and what RSS feed you're using and lots of other things. So I could basically find out who is selling our email addresses to people, who is sending us the spam, uh, and what sort of um, spam people are actually uh, sending, which has been quite interesting. And uh, earlier on in the week, I revealed the podcast industry's biggest spammer. Who's that, James? Come on. Don't hold us in suspense. Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there are quite a few. There are quite a few interesting ones, like, for example, a company called On Podium, uh, which is a company that makes websites for podcasters. Um, that ends up um, hiding its user agent and it doesn't have any unsubscribe links because, quotes, they are confusing. Um, they're also legal uh, not to have any um, the person behind this Gintaras Veitkus which I've uh, clearly pronounced incorrectly uh, he or she uh, responded to one of my questions and then basically blanked me from uh, <laughs> receiving any more questions I was basically saying where are you getting the RSS feeds from it looks as if he scraped uh, Player FM it looks as if uh, they also scraped uh, iVooks as well because I actually give different RSS feeds to both of those so on podium um, wasn't a particularly good uh, company and is I think you know highlighting 
what sort of things you can do with um, RSS uh, scraping if you're uh, doing it in a slightly misleading way. But um, they only sent 11 emails over the last three months. Uh, the podcast industry's biggest spammer sent 216 <laughs> emails, which is quite a feat. Um, they're a company called Backtracks, and they, uh, among some of the entertaining things that they do, when they scrape an RSS feed, they pretend that they're a MacBook running software from December 2016. <laughs> I don't think you are, and I think that MacBook would have updated itself anyway. Um, so there's a little bit of sort of subterfuge there. Uh, they're using a special uh, email domain so that it doesn't damage the reputation of their corporate domain. Uh, they use a company called Mailgun. Um, they're basically finding any old email that they can possibly find in the RSS feed, so it's all not particularly brilliant. Um, I contacted uh, Jonathan Gill, who's the founder of the company, repeatedly. I copied his PR company. I got no response to any of the questions I was asking. Um, they used to be a supporter of Pod News, and as of today, I noticed that they are no longer a supporter of pod news damn so it's just been a really interesting piece of uh, research three months worth of um, of uh, coding and uh, grabbing the uh, data as it comes in and the data will be automatically updating from here on in so this is an ongoing top 10 that you're going to be tracking of uh, spammers i think we should have a fluff freeman weekly session on this one <laughs> yes wouldn't that be fun now moving on to something more positive oh yes Olby is an extension that allows you to uh, send and receive micropayments, satoshis as they're called, uh, between different people. Now, I've struggled uh, up until recently to understand how to get a wallet and to set it all up. Uh, mm. But a few weeks ago, Adam Curry told me and you uh, about setting it all up, James, and um, we, we added the Chrome extension and it all seemed to work very nicely. Um, in fact, James, tell me, you've now gone one stage further. You've now added Albi to PodNews. Yeah, so if you visit uh, PodNews and you've uh, installed the Albi extension, which is at getalbi.com, uh, then uh, the Albi extension glows a different colour, which basically says you can send pod news some sats if you wish. Um, and I thought nobody would use it, uh, but it turns out people have used it. Um, our guest has used it, Moritz, thank you very much. Uh, also, somebody called Sam Sethi has used it. I sent pod news a um, uh, tenth of the amounts of uh, sats that Moritz sent us. <laughs> but still, there we are. And also... Uh, I'm just... Uh... <laughs> Poor journalist, what can I say? <laughs> and also Matt from Castos. Thank you, Matt, who has um, sent a ridiculously high number of uh, sats, 85,000 sats, uh, promoting a press release that uh, he wants Pod News to cover. Not sure it works that way, uh, but nevertheless, I am going to cover it anyway, um, which is uh, new information about uh, Castos uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's a good way of uh, turning on micropayments to any old website that happens to exist uh, in the world. And also, uh, it works with um, the podcasting 2.0 value for value tag as well. And so from this week, we have put a split in place, which means that um, if you send us a boost using Fountain or any other uh, new podcast app, then half of it comes to me and half of it goes to Sam. And Sam, it goes uh, directly into your uh, Albi wallet, doesn't it? 
Yes, yes. I never got round to doing that box that you uh, wanted me to do. It's yeah, the Umbral box. You bought one, but you, did, you, ne- you never plugged it in. If anyone wants an Umbral box, they're more than welcome to have it. It's just sat here collecting dust. I haven't haven't really got further <laughs> than that. Um, in, in that light, um, I reached out to Moritz, who's one of the team members at uh, Olby, and I wanted to find out more about what is Olby and what's in their plans. What we want to do with Albi is we want to make payments seamless, smarter and more accessible for everyone. And basically there are two parts today when it comes to Albi. There's Albi the browser extension and Albi the, the Bitcoin lightning wallet. Now, Albi enables people to make micro payments through Satoshi's through the wallet. One of the biggest challenges over the last six to 12 months with getting into using value for value and micropayments has been getting a wallet set up or getting a mechanism that's simple enough for most non-technical end users to be able to send and receive payments. Now, when I first started looking at this, I remember looking at the Fountain app and having to get an invoice and then thinking, well, where do I take this invoice, which is like a QR code? And being technical, I still struggled how to get it all set yeah. up. And then one day, Adam Curry said to me, look, go and have a look at this really cool browser plugin called Olby. Mm-hmm. So I did, and I plugged it into my Chrome browser, and I added the lightning to my Twitter handle, and I went to Twitter, and it worked. It turned blue, and I could send or receive payments. I was like, wow, this is a game changer. So how did you come up with making it so simple why did you start with a browser plugin and not the wallet first yes we really want to bring lightning to the web and a browser plugin is just a very natural step to that and we've built albi so that albi can serve as a bridge for users to any web app that integrates bitcoin functionalities and that's why we're working on the browser extension and i think it's important to differentiate between the albi browser extension and the albi Bitcoin Lightning Wallet, because the browser extension is a community project. It's uh, completely open source and you can very conveniently interact with Bitcoin apps to exchange transactions. You can access Bitcoin based games, for example, trading app, or just simply pay for digital content like articles. And what you said is that Albi basically detects a Lightning address that you can add to your Twitter account, for example, to YouTube, or as James did, to a website into the HTML code, like we call it a meta tag. And in this case, for example, there is no payment plugin required, nothing. Just copy paste that in the meta HTML of your website and you're good to go. You're ready to receive Bitcoin. So yeah, to step back for me, who found this challenging, I went to getalbi.com, which is your website. I created an account. Now it did allow me to add a blue wallet account or other accounts, but I created one with Orbi. I created my username, which was my lightning wallet Mm -hmm. identity, which was sam at getalbi.com. And I was up and running. I had an account on Orbi and I had a mechanism by which to receive or send payments. I got my first payments into my uh, Orbi account, not my wallet, my Orbi account using the plugin and I was off and running and that was great and it felt really good to be able to then suddenly pay certain podcast creators with satoshis or receive certain payments 
But then you went and did something really cool a couple of weeks ago. You created the Olby wallet. So can you tell us a little bit more about the wallet? Yeah, so because the interesting thing about the extension is that you can connect different wallets to it. So it's really like your tool to send out SATs and like what is the input and you can connect it, as you said, like Blue Wallet, you can connect your Bitcoin Lightning node that you're running at home, but you can also connect the Albi wallet and is then is your lightning uh wallet it's a custodial wallet and it serves basically as your spendings account and we did that because we think like bitcoin in general is already complicated enough and uh, because we want to make it as convenient as possible for users to operate such a spending account and that's why we built also the albi wallet and it's yeah, it's super simple to get started now having a secure wallet and send out and store sats there and also receive sats right yeah, it is very simple. Can I, from my Albi wallet, also take out my SATs and convert that back to fiat currency? And can I put SATs into my wallet from a fiat currency? So we are working on, that's really like the future part here. We are working on a way to onboard or to make it as easy as possible to get SATs into your Albi wallet. And one service is a like direct exchange service from fiat to Bitcoin and how you can spend your precious sats today is, for example, through the browser extension, because within the browser extension, there's a connector that is called Albi Wallet that you can activate, um, log in with your um, credential details from getalbi.com and you're good to go to, to spend your sats there. Now, this is my naive, non-technical question. But I have three wallets currently, possibly even more if I think about it. I have one with Telegram, I have one with Fountain, and I have one with you. And I've actually four. I've got my blue wallet one as well. Is each one of those a silo now of sats? So I've got some Satoshis from the Fountain app in my Fountain wallet, and I've got them with you in the Olby wallet. Are they just simply independent separate wallets or can i integrate them into one mega wallet somehow can they flow together we are actually working on exactly that so that they can flow together but i also have to say compared to like other wallets in the fiat world these sats exist on the bitcoin lightning network and this is by definition already a open network so you can very easily transfer them from one wallet to the other wallet in a very inexpensive way and this is i think already it's such a great advantage compared to the fiat world that we are in today but still there are separate wallets you still have to know where you have your sats maybe you get sometimes you do sometimes the overview and this is still not the best way but already a bit of an improvement than before yes okay now let's just take a step back from the Olby browser extension and wallet how did you come up with the idea for Olby what was your background and why did you start Olby so Bitcoin is actually like the money for the internet, but somehow that was the promise, how it started being peer-to-peer -peer digital cash system. And it makes so much sense that it happens natively on the internet, but the interaction between your wallet, like your mobile Bitcoin wallet and the internet was still not ideal. That was, that was one reason, for example, was like slow transactions on Bitcoin, but now on, on the Bitcoin lightning network. Transactions happen instantly. Transactions happen across the globe. And that's what makes it so interesting because everyone can participate. And that's why I personally find it so interesting. 
And with the Adi browser extension, we have a way where you can really enable one-click payments, where you can enable one-click passwordless logins. And these are the major reasons why we are working on the browser extension. Now, one of the clever things you're going to announce today is that you've got an API for Olby. So tell me more about the API. Yeah, a bit of a prehistory regarding this, because what is happening in the podcasting ecosystem is it's super interesting in our point of view, because you have with the RSS feed, you have a like almost decentralized way of distributing content. And I think it's just natural also to have a decentralized way of earning money and monetizing the content there. So we were looking into that and yeah, thinking about how can we help the ecosystem there to grow. And Adam and Dave, for example, they do a great job with podcasting 2.0 spec and added the, for example, the value tech. And with the Albi wallet, what we did there is we took this spec and added it also to the Albi. So what you can do now is you can receive payments according to the spec and also messages like these so-called boostergrams directly in the Albi wallet that you can access through getalbi.com. And what you will also find there is a value tag, this value tag that you can just copy paste and configure your RSS feed. So this is like a bit how we got into this. And now, okay, we have a rather easy to use wallet right now, but in our point of view, it's still not easy enough. It's, there are still too many manual steps involved to add the value tag to your RSS. And this is how, yeah, we found a great partner that shares actually is the same excitement for this open podcasting system. And we discussed the solution and there our goal was really to close this circle for podcasters where we have great listener apps like Breeze and Fountain or CourierCaster that let you send payments, but we still have too few hosting services that provide a convenient way to receive payments if you're a podcaster. And, and the too often podcasters still have to use different tools and connect these things manually like nodes, a boostergram reader, a hosting service. They are all not combined. And then the outcome of this goal of our collaboration was this API. So let, let, let's step back. The problem is basically in order to take the podcast value tag and add it to your RSS and do all the clever things that will make the wallet work for the send and receive to be seamless is, as you said, Moritz, far too difficult for the average user. So it was beholden to a host to actually go and build that functionality. In many ways, it's just a field entry. Cut and paste this entry from Olby into your podcast value tag field and we'll update your RSS feed for you. And bingo, it will just automatically work. And somewhere in the host, I'll be able to see my SATs sent and received and that's the best way of doing it. So which host have you chosen? Yeah, we met Alberto and Benjamin from RSS. The brilliant Alberto and Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. And love them dearly. It's really cool. They share the same excitement for this open podcasting system and see in the value for value concept are a great chance for podcasters. If I'm right and tell me if I'm wrong, because I haven't spoken to Alberto and Ben, because it's the first time I've heard that they're the first partner to use your API. But if I went to RSS.com, I could now take my I'll be value tag, my addressable value tag and my wallet ID. And I could enter that into set fields that they provide. And all I need to do as a creator, therefore, is just then make sure that people are aware that they can give me sats. So maybe they will use the Albi extension just to send and receive sats to my wallet. 
Actually, it goes a bit further. So as I said, today, there are still too many manual copy and paste steps. But what you can do now, if you are a rss.com user and you will be able to do that from Monday next week, is you can activate your Bitcoin wallet within the dashboard and rss.com will automatically create the RSS feed accordingly with the value tag. So there is no copy paste anymore. The flow is a bit like Facebook or so. You have to authorize and sign up with the Albi wallet. You are redirected back to the rss.com dashboard. Your RSS feed is automatically generated and you're ready to receive SUTs. So it's just a few clicks, super easy to use and you're set up. Brilliant. We need more hosts to jump on board with you. That would be a good thing. As a client such as Overcast or Fountain or Podverse or any of these great clients, what do they need to do? Obviously today, as I said earlier, I've got a separate wallet with Fountain. Would I be able to, I assume if Oscar integrated with a backend provider, just use my own wallet in their app, I guess, then I wouldn't have this problem of having multiple wallets. Yeah, exactly. So this is the idea because we use a identification standard here where you can give the right to access a app to your wallet. And we very much believe in this idea that you have just one spendings wallet you can hook it into your rss.com service, but you could, for example, also, if you would like to listen to podcasts, send sats, for example, you can also like, maybe even hook it into Fountain in the future. And in this way, you can have just one wallet and then out of this wallet, basically serve different apps out there, maybe listener apps or hosting services. And they all come with the like typical Bitcoin wallet functionalities, like you can send receive and store, but you will also be able to grant permissions on a very granular level, for example, because sometimes you just want to pay or you sometimes just want to receive. And this will be possible through this flow and over this API too. Brilliant. Now, there's been a, a, a quite an interesting discussion going on. Dave and Adam's podcast is about splits. So I Quick question for you here, Moritz. Is, do you, as Olby, take any payment split out of the Satoshi flow? So if, for example, I'm listening on a app that supports Olby and I make a payment to the podcast creator, I know now currently, for example, Fountain will take a small micro payment of that Satoshi payment. Will RSS take a small micro payment for managing or maybe they'll just charge that in the service. So in which case, but you have to make money somewhere along the line in this whole thing. So how is Albi making money? Are you taking a small micro payment split or what? So currently we don't take any share. There is no split payment that goes to Albi. The user can decide to add Albi, for example, into the split. And that would be awesome. But right now there's none. Certainly, we also have to see how we can operate this service in a sustainable way. And a very typical pricing model, how we could do that in the future is through small transaction fees. To the developer? Um, yeah, to the user or the developer. Okay. Wow. Lots to take on board there. Thank you so much, Morris. I've got to go and get my head around all of this, but I think I understand what's been done. It sounds amazing. And it's going to make, I guess, the workflow from the end user all the way through to the creator much simpler because it's really hiding that complexity. 
A favourite expression of mine is complexity has failed simplicity, but in this case, you've made it simple yeah. by hiding the complexity. Totally. So I also think it's, it basically democratizes the whole process of creating podcaster wallets and everyone can still run their own node. And we also recommend using non-custodial solutions, but with this API now, and as a user of rsdask.com, just in a few clicks, you're set up and ready to receive payments from listeners. And I'm just super excited about it. I can't wait until next week when it's live. Great. Now, next question for you. Remind everyone of the website URL, please. Where they can find us. Then ideally you go on get albi.com slash podcast minus wallet and there's a chance to open my open my wallet with albi and yeah if you want to learn how to use albi what albi is we also have a blog on on blog.getalbi.com so that's moritz uh, talking about an integration with rss.com which is all uh, very exciting isn't it so it'll be good to see i think i'm seeing uh, the folks at rss.com at podcast movement which i'm looking forward to so it'll be interesting to find out how everything's all going for them well in the vein of forward selling i'm hoping that we'll actually be speaking to them next week about it as well here on podland oh look at you you've you you've, you're on fire with the, with the old uh, forward uh, promotion <laughs> aren't you Good Lord. I found a book called James Cridland, How to Do Radio, the other day. I read it. It's great. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't find that. Although, I tell, you, I tell you what, I discovered the other day, I discovered a piece of audio of me uh, from uh, 1993, which is being shared in uh, a few Facebook groups at the moment. And that was very weird, very weird listening to uh, me from 1993. Here's a little clip, uh, in case you wondered. The guarantee. We'll play you the best music for West Yorkshire. I mean, goodness the me. Frequency. 97.5 and 102.5 FM. The station. The past of West Yorkshire. <laughs> That is very, very strange, having a listen. Maybe there's a whole session on James Cridlin in the Wayback Machine. Maybe I'll go and have a hunt. Maybe there isn't. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the BBC, <laughs> a company who I worked for, but thankfully not on the air. Uh, I was a producer for one show at the BBC for a whole four hours in Manchester. There's a thing. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we got some numbers from the BBC Sounds app, didn't we, last week? Yeah, it seems that the BBC saw an increase of 23% of uh, UK plays of radio, music and podcasts up to 1.5 billion. Uh, James, uncipher that badly read. Uh, yeah, I know. There's a ton of numbers there, isn't there? Um, so weekly users has gone up by 8% in the last year. Uh, 8% is a nice rise, but if you look at under 35-year-olds, weekly users has actually gone down. Uh, ever so slightly, it's gone down by about 2,000 or something, but still it's gone down. So that, I think, points to a bit of a problem um, in terms of who's using that app. Uh, it contains all of the BBC's output, which historically has always been incredibly strong for older people uh, and uh, not quite so strong for younger people. And as you can see, it's going down uh, even more now. Um, those figures are for all audio. So there's no figures for podcast consumption, but actually the definition of podcast gets quite difficult if you're in the BBC Sounds uh, app as well. Um, I, I did take a, a good look at the data and uh, trying to find out uh, more information about it. I, I, would, I would say quite a lot of it is just to live radio and not to on-demand stuff at all. Um, so really interesting seeing. And of course, the BBC has spent the last couple of years pulling their podcasts away from open RSS. Um, so there are even more podcasts 
um, uh, as exclusives in the BBC Sounds app now, and that still doesn't appear to have pulled in any young people, any people under 35. So just interesting to take a look. And, you know, going back to what uh, Ross was saying earlier about open RSS, it's certainly something that, you know, clearly works. Yeah, the... The, the, the fact that they, the figures for the 16-34 year olds are going down doesn't surprise me at all. Um, anyone in radio will tell you that. Um, it's a simple experiment with any teenager using their Spotify account, for example. Ask them to get a playlist that they love, then go to the settings and turn on the explicit filter and then see how many tracks are left available. Uh, with my daughter, of about 35 tracks, there was one that had no explicit content within it. Um, <laughs> yes. And fundamentally... The, the radio stations can't play it. So there is yes. really nothing that the kids are hearing on the radio that re, that reflects what they are actually listening to. Yes. Uh, in it, your in, country, uh, I have to say, in, in this country, uh, it's not... Forget you, it's something quite oh, different really? uh, in this country. It's very strange. On the radio? Yes, on the radio. I know, astonishing. You can get away with doing whatever you like as long as you say the words language warning before. Oh. So, <laughs> and then you can play, you know, Sexy MF by Prince. You sexy mother... Wow. You can play that in full. You know, all of that. It's the most incredible thing. But yes, I would agree that I think, um, you know, broadcast regulation has something to do with it. But I think also that the content uh, Content, uh, that is in that app and the way that it is being promoted um, isn't necessarily reaching that audience as well. So uh, always worthwhile keeping an eye on. They have, though, added variable speed playback for iOS users and now for Android users as well. I've just got my upgrade. Um, so variable speed playback as released by Apple Podcasts more than 10 years ago. But thank you very much, BBC, for actually getting there. <laughs> they don't like to rush things <laughs> in the BBC, later. I tell you. Oh, they no. don't like that. No, bless them. Now, you wrote uh, about a company called Live One this week. Uh, it's got a podcast company called Podcast One as well, uh, which might be stepping out by itself, i.e. going solo. Now, the company has just closed a $8.1 million fund uh, and it hopes to be a separate public company before the end of the year. Mm. Do you know much more about this, James? So the owning company used to be called Live by Live. They went out and they bought Podcast One, which is a big podcast company uh, in the US. Um, it's got Jordan Harbinger's uh, podcast on there and lots of other people. And um, Live by Live liked it so much that they changed the name of the company uh, to Live One, uh, since they now owned Podcast One. Uh, but Live One hasn't had too much fun over the last couple of years um, because of uh, COVID. Uh, it's basically there as a live events company, and live events companies have all had a pretty difficult time for the last couple of years because you've not been able to have any live events. Um, and so um, my suspicion is that they are um, uh, that they are wanting to split Podcast One out to basically save Podcast One, and Live One doesn't look as if it's having much fun. Um, but interesting to uh, see, Podcast One has also announced... Um, a ton more shows uh, that they've uh, released. And Podcast One itself seems to be doing very well, it seems to be profitable, seems to be a very uh, comfortable company, whereas uh, I think the rest of the Live One 
um, uh, stuff uh, isn't doing particularly well. Live One also owns Slacker Radio, which was an online radio, well, it still is, an online radio service which has existed since the year dot, um, since before Wi-Fi and uh, 3G and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, and so that's a wonderful thing. But, uh, yeah, you can you can guess that that's not doing too well either. So, um, yeah, it, interesting to see what happens there. Podcast One, though, itself uh, seems to be doing really well. Yeah, a lot of companies are pulling their IPOs so, uh, I, I, at the moment. So, good luck. We're trying to get... Uh podcast one live yeah and one of the reasons uh, for that of course is um is is as has been uh, explored by audio boom this week they released their financials for the first half of 2022 revenue nicely up 79 percent on the same period last year profit 10 times more than it was last year but their shares have fallen through the floor because the company also said that there is a softening in advertiser demand for quarter three 2022, i.e. a recession's coming. And they're uh, a little bit concerned about that. And so the shares have gone down, um, uh, as is the usual thing. Uh, uh, The idiots in the uh, money markets are uh, blaming companies for telling the truth. Uh, so I never understand why they do that, uh, but still. Yeah, well, the, the reason is, James, that uh, the share price is a reflection of future risk value. So all that they the share price does is reflect what they think the value in the next two quarters will look like. Mm. And so it will go down if you tell them that demand is decreasing in a future quarter. Mm. They will just simply say, yep, let's drop that down then. And so the plan there is that they would uh, they would warn people now because the share price will go down less if they warn them than if it just kind of happens anyway. Yeah, so that don't shock the market by revealing at the last minute. Um, give them a time to at least make an adjustment to the value. They're, they're doing well, as are uh, Glow, aren't they, as well, which is the, the membership company owned by Libsyn. Yeah, they seem to be rocketing 167% growth, revenue growth since the acquisition. Uh, I don't know much about Glow. James, tell me more. Yeah, I mean, they are a podcast monetization platform. They do, um, they sell subscriptions. They accept, you know, you can accept monetary support. Uh, so it's a bit of a combination of, you know, um, supporting cast or those sorts of things, supercast, and also buymeacoffee.com or Patreon. So it's a bit of a sort of a mix of that kind of thing. Um, they were bought by Libsyn in April. Um, and seem to be going really well. So uh, yeah, it'll be. Uh, you know, they've um, they've uh, had a pretty good uh, run at that, which is uh, nice. And again, uh, like uh, other Libsyn companies, open to anybody. So you don't have to be hosting uh, with them in order to actually use them. Now, uh, a bit of a scoop here from Ashley Carmen, friend of the show. She wrote on Twitter: Pushkin Industries, the audio company f- co-founded by Malcolm Gladwell has acquired the production company Transmitter Media, which gives it a bunch of new business and lots of producers. It's the first big business acquisition by Pushkin Industries. What do you think of it, James? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a clever purchase. Greta Cohn, who is the founder of Transmitter, becomes a senior leader at uh, Pushkin Industries. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for um, you know, bringing uh, production companies together, uh, particularly at this time in the in the economic cycle. So uh, I think that's a, a bright plan. There's quite a lot of uh, change as well in the radio world uh, in the UK. Podcast Radio is to launch a number of brand extensions. Their first has already gone live. It's called Podcast Radio Business, and it's basically lots of business 
podcasts uh, as a radio station, which is quite clever. I think they've got True Crime coming on and they've got Comedy coming on shortly. Um, uh, I think you're going to be uh, having a chat, uh, having a chat with uh, Gerard uh, from uh, Podcast Radio over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think. I mean, look, it's it's a very clever strategy. Um, you know, you've done a little bit of work with them. They don't own any of the IP, though, do they? To the podcast, how do they? Do they license it? Do they pay for the content? How do yeah, it work? they own they own some of the IP for some of the shows that they do. Um, there's a show by Graham Mack, uh, which um, which is theirs, which is also available as a podcast. Um, but I think uh, you know it's a, it's a glorious mix of uh, paid uh, placement plus advertising uh, plus a whole range of other things as well. If you listen to podcast radio, then every so often when they need to fill up four minutes, then you'll hear pod news on. Them. Uh, which is always fun. I have to make a separate version uh, uh, of the update, uh, especially for them, with no advertising and no naughty words, Ofcon compliance and all of that. Um, but it's a clever plan of theirs to grow and to basically have a true crime station and uh, comedy station and all of that. So um, crafty set of uh, people. Paul Chantler is another person who's behind that uh, company, and he has been in radio since year dot um, and uh, is also very well known as a trainer of um, libel and, you know, what you can say, what you can't say, which in the UK is particularly fraught. Um, so, uh, yeah, a, a very good and smart uh, company. So looking forward to hearing from them over the next uh, couple of weeks. Maybe we should get Brennan on from Podmoff Daily as well, which is a daily newsletter that's almost as good as Pod News. Um, they have celebrated their three-year anniversary. Um, so uh, and I know that they are doing uh, particularly well. Looking forward to podcast movement in a couple of weeks. Uh, so congratulations, Brennan and uh, Dan and everybody else. Now, I noticed something that you started playing with this week. Uh, Spotify in New Zealand is testing a feature to record your own podcast directly into the app. We talked mm. about this a couple of weeks ago. We did. So uh, I noticed that you then tweeted out a little screenshot of you using said Spotify. What happened, James? Well, so I asked a man called Paul, Paul Spain, who uh, lives in uh, New Zealand, lives in Auckland. I said to him, oh, have you played with this thing yet? And he said, oh, I haven't really yet. Uh, I should give it a go. Gave it a go um, and uploaded something, which he then proudly shared on uh, Twitter as his new podcast. Um, and uh, the podcasts that you record on this new Spotify feature are also geolocked to New Zealand. So I can't see them. I can't follow the link. It just says this content is unavailable. Um, so if Spotify are doing a test there, it's a test that is, is, is bound to fail because uh, there are only 6 million people in New Zealand. <laughs> so not sure that that's going to work. But I just thought it was really interesting that the output of this test is also being geolocked in New Zealand as well. So it's not just recording but it's actually the output as well which is and of course there's no rss feeds there's nothing in order to find this guy's um content you go to his profile and if you're in new zealand then you see some of the shows that he's recorded and if you're not in new zealand well tough very strange plan yeah i mean what do you think of it i mean irrelevant to the fact you can't see it or hear it um mm. obviously talking to your friend what, what did he think the experience was good did 
Was the recording quality any good? Yeah, I mean, Paul was. Uh, yeah, Paul. Paul was impressed with the experience. It was very. It's very quick and very slick and very easy to use. Um, so I think from that point of view, yeah, you know, it's certainly a thing that could replace the very low-level use of Anchor in terms of record stuff into your phone. But as Adam Curry was saying on the Podcasting 2.0 podcast uh, last week, he was saying that stuff doesn't work. I mean, you know, so many different companies have tried it. It just doesn't work because the quality is not great. Um, you can't post-produce or anything. It's just not a, a, a good experience. So you've got that kind of uh, uh, side of it as well. But, you know, some people are thinking, well, perhaps this is the beginning of the end for the Anchor brand. Perhaps Spotify are going to move Anchor's um, uh, podcast hosting stuff directly into Spotify, get rid of the Anchor brand so that you are hosting a show with Spotify. Kind of makes sense from a branding point of view. Um, And probably that's the end of the RSS feed. Um, but um, that's just a that's just conjecture, and we wait to find out exactly what's going on with this test, I guess. Mm, or maybe they just want to get more long tail content to put ads into. Yeah, maybe. God knows. Maybe yeah. who knows? More crap content. That's what we need. That's what podcasting's always always had a problem with yes. is crap content. <laughs> Let's get more of it. Now, something that you use often, Hindenburg's announced an integration with Euphonic. Yes, Orphonic, um, which is a very clever little system. It's used as a way of uh, smoothing out the audio, making sure that everybody is the same uh, loudness, um, making sure that uh, you know it's, it sounds it sounds good and everything else. They call it a post-production system, um, and I used to use it when I was out in the road. Um, and uh, yeah, now you can publish straight to it from Hindenburg, and you can then tell Orphonic to publish it straight to you know your podcast host of choice. Um, if you are hosting, of course, with our supporters uh, Buzzsprout, then you don't need to worry about any of this stuff because Buzzsprout will do it all for you in a in a um, thing that they call magic mastering which does much the same sort of uh, job but if you're hosting with um, other podcast uh, companies then um, uh, use of a product like Orphonic is always a good plan so nice to see them integrating with uh, Hindenburg. Indeed now moving on to the tech stuff of the week Um, it seems the good news the podcast index 2.0 social interact tag has been finalized in the new podcast namespace it allows a podcast to attach a link to a root post now let's try and break that down that root post can be somewhere on twitter mastodon which is an activity pub or other places now james you started experimenting with this so tell us more yeah so the idea of all of this is to have is to have cross app comments so basically you can leave a comment in your favorite podcast app and other people can see it regardless of what podcast app they're using too Um, And so the idea is that you can pull those comments in from anywhere um, and uh, you can display those comments in an app. And the perfect idea is that you can then reply to those comments within the the same app as well. So if you take a look at the Pod News RSS feed, uh, then we have two social interact tags, one pointing to uh, Twitter and one pointing to um, a uh, something called a lightning comments, uh, which is uh, hosted by uh, Fountain, but it's much the same sort of thing. So you can basically see those uh, comments wherever you are. If 
your favourite podcast app is pulling that kind of information in. So um, it's, it's what a lot of people have been asking for. It's still very, very early days because there aren't really very many apps that support uh, the social interact tag, and there certainly aren't very many apps that support all of the different flavours of the social interact tag. It's always been one of my slight criticisms of it, but um, great to actually see it up and running. And uh, certainly, you know, um, uh, we're seeing uh, many more uh, boosts and boostergram messages uh, from uh, Pod News because you can see those messages in Fountain. So you can see other people are having a conversation. Um, and that's quite a, quite a good thing. So, you know, worthwhile having a play with. Yeah, a couple of questions. Did you hard code uh, the RSS update to include the podcast social interactor? Uh, yes. So I hard code my RSS feed so I can do that sort of stuff. Most people won't be able to. Most people will find that very, very, very frustrating. Um, and so quite a lot of this, and I noticed that Dave Jones from the Podcast Index was at, um, at Buzzsprout uh, um, last week. Uh, so maybe that's one of the conversations that uh, he was having. I don't know. Um, but uh, quite a lot of these features really depend on the podcast host to support them. But uh, I, I am my own podcast host, so I can do that for my own show. Yeah, talking about podcast hosts, I I didn't really talk about it post the conversation with Moritz, um, but mm. RSS.com integrating you know deeply with the Olby so that the podcast value tag is integrated as a UI so that from mm. the user perspective it's you know we had a, a conversation probably a year ago about was would there be a, some sort of OAuth way of doing things where we could validate things um, and, and look you know here's rss.com doing a sort of OAuth jump with with the value tag yeah the technology escalator, as I've always called it, is is this thing where, you know, when the hosts were just hosting RSS, that was their USP. That USP has mm. pretty much disappeared. So they've got to go up the value chain, up the technology escalator and start to include new things. I think it's going to be interesting now that RSS.com has integrated Orbi. It'll be interesting to see what the other hosts do. I wonder yeah. which host is going to enable a field so that for me and you instead of hard coding it by ourselves we'd be able to just update that field with the twitter um url for that episode because i don't yeah. know if you got it but i went and followed your link from your twitter feed to the uh Kikonical, uh link that you gave me in twitter mm. and i'm posted a comment and i don't know if you got that at all yeah so um that could very easily be pulled out be pulled in by a podcast app that is using the twitter api um and so that's absolutely how that would work um i think the beauty is that actually it could be rss.com post if, if they want to support the twitter version of social interaction they could make they could post the the root post onto twitter for themselves um, that's what I do. Um, it's completely automatic right. on my end. So perhaps that's that's the plan there. And similarly, you know, um, I think quite a lot of this comes down to how much can you automate so that more people end up using it. Um, and I'm a big fan of automation, as uh, as, as as anybody will uh, tell you. So I think, uh, yeah, it, you know, the more that podcast hosts automate this stuff so that it just works um the more uptake that we'll actually mm. see now 
The Podcast Index weekly data dump will shortly contain categories and podcast descriptions, didn't it before, James? No, it didn't, actually, and now it does. Um, so I just mm. downloaded uh, a version yesterday and it's got um, the description in there and the categories in there as well, which will allow... Um, I mean, it'll allow journalists like me to do some fun and interesting things, but uh, it'll also allow other people to do that too. Um, so uh, very cool. And I'm, uh, you know, so happy that the Podcast Index makes this weekly download available. You'll find it towards the bottom of the podcastindex.org front page. And it's a great way to play around. For example, I was given a, uh, a link to a new podcast called Let's Talk to promote last week. And, uh, and I thought to myself, oh, brilliant, Let's Talk, and then did a little search for it and thought, oh, it, there seems to be quite a lot of podcasts called Let's Talk. So with access to the Podcast Index's weekly data dump, I can tell you that the amount of podcasts out there called Let's Talk is more than 3,150. So, so uh, yeah, and it's that kind of information that would be impossible to pull from you know, the Apple Podcasts API or from Spotify or from or from anything else. So it's great that that data dump exists. And now we can play around with the first bits of the description and also categories, which is really interesting. Mm. Now, moving on in uh, Tech Corner, interestingly, Anchor appears to have slowed in growth, maybe going back to that story in New Zealand. Uh, James, tell me more. Um, yeah, so Pod News runs a page which is all around um, podcasters migrating from one host to another. Now, it always used to be when you would go back and take a look at this page back in January or so, um, you'd see 40, 50 different podcasts every single week migrating to Anchor from a paid podcast host mostly. Um, and now the figure is actually almost equal. Um, there's lots of people leaving Anchor, lots of people joining Anchor, and there seems to be a sort of, um, you know, I think the... Um, the balance was about four in Anchor's favour uh, one of the days when I looked at it uh, this week. So, you know, so the amount of people leaving Anchor is now quite high. Um, and I suspect, uh, I mean, quite a lot of people are going over to Megaphone. So, you know, again, perhaps if you grow up a bit, you've played with Anchor for a, a little while and you want to do it properly, then moving over to Megaphone is a good idea. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was quite um, quite uh, interesting to spot that difference between January, where clearly Anchor was hoovering up a ton of users, to now, where, yes, Anchor is still hoovering up some users, but also it's losing an awful lot of users as well. Mm. Uh, I guess we'll learn more in the next few months what the future holds for Anchor. Um, Friend of the show, Benjamin Bellamy, is working on an open source transcription solution for podcasts uh, using Castapod. It's heavily based on VOSC uh, with some tweaks. Um, did you see this one, James? Um, I didn't, but I know that uh, Castapod is always uh, working on new stuff. So I think uh, transcriptions is always a good idea. And if there's an open transcription solution... Um, then I think that that would be a very cool thing. So I look forward to uh, seeing what happens with uh, Benjamin. Um, there was a new podcast quiz 
um, which has been um, uh, which has been put out there, which is quite funny. It's a bit like uh, Wordle and those sorts of things, and gives you logos, and you have to guess w- what the logos are and uh, what the companies or what the the features are around. It's uh, being run by the podcast font. Um, which is all quite fun. I don't know if you've uh, had a play at that. I did, yeah. I, I, I don't know if my job's safe. I got four out of five on mine. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got five out of five, but uh, yeah, yes, but I was, I was lucky. Um, and, uh, and as I mentioned earlier on, uh, AntennaPod has added podcasting 2.0 cloud chapters, which are really, really good, uh, which is nice. And uh, you have discovered a podcast app on KaiOS on the uh, phones for the developing world called Foxcasts Lite. Yeah, uh, which I've never heard of before. Um, but uh, you're saying that um, podcasting 2.0 chapters are working on that too. Yeah. Uh, again, it was a tweet that went out and they had a lovely graphic of it all working. So yeah, I thought I'd highlight it for them. And now, as the French say, it is time for Le Boost. Yes, it's time for Boostergram Corner. We've got lots of boosts uh, this week, so thank you. Sam will be able to see them directly through Albie from uh, here on in. Uh, so um, uh, so I don't need to edit the ones out that are rude about Sam. No, there are none that are rude about Sam. Um, 10,000 sats. Thank you, Adam Curry. Uh, that's quite a big baller uh, for this show, so uh, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, he said, helpful interview. This was about Michael Mignano uh, from from last week helpful interview great get uh thank you adam that's uh, very kind of you uh brian of london sent us a thousand sats uh again great chat with mitch go podcasting go podcasting go podcasting uh mere mortals hello kyrin um all the ducks um two 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 sats from fountain saying he's super excited for live streaming video podcasts in the future. will definitely require some help from the hosting platforms as my mini-adventure self-hosting the Value for Value podcast with Casterpod has shown me how much hand-holding I need to get up and running. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, Kyren, thank you. Yeah, I think um, streaming video podcasts going lit uh, is something which is exciting a certain um, uh, set of uh, people. It doesn't excite me at all because I don't do uh, video podcasts hate the idea (laughs) i don't do um, live podcasts either but you can well see i mean todd cochran uh, was so excited about it last week on the new media show my goodness he started by reading out boostergrams which was a fantastic thing um so uh that was great to hear um so thank you uh so much uh for that um and there's a bunch of other sats in here as well aren't there yeah, uh, we had a sat from uh, a reader, uh, a listener called Jeppy Keith, who sent us 50 sats. This show is why I'm now here and I appreciate it every week. Thanks, Jeppy. Yes, thanks, Jeffy. Also, Alberto, 200 sats. Uh, that must be Alberto Bitella, uh, friend of the show. Long live RSS, he says. And another big baller uh, uh, sat amount from Adam Curry, 25,000. Uh, and he says 1.7 million sats is what you receive for RSS. Asking for value. If you just sit around waiting for tips, you get a different experience. Yes, absolutely. Uh, agreed. And Besire podcast, 50 sats. 
um, uh, sending us a, a boost there as well. If you do get value from this show, um, then uh, do what those kind people have done and send us a boost. If you've no idea what we're talking about, then well done for sticking it in for this long in this particular chapter. Uh, but you should go and find a new podcast app from podnews.net slash new podcast apps. Uh, we would recommend Fountain, which is a good way to start, or indeed uh, CurioCaster is also uh, a fun place to be. Uh, and uh, you can uh, send us as much value as you think this podcast uh, is deserving of, and uh, we very much appreciate it. So thanks. And that's the end of that chapter. Moving on, Event Corner, uh, just one quick one to announce. It's the British Podcast Awards this weekend, powered by Audible at Kennington Park in London. Uh, I'll be going for the afternoon, um, so if you're around, do say hi, and it'd be lovely to see everyone there. The weather's holding in the UK, it won't be too hot, uh, and it won't be raining. It's the Goldilocks zone. The Goldilocks zone? Yeah, it's not too hot, not too cold. Who's been eating my porridge? Uh, quite a few people have uh, moved on and moved along. Rob Adler has joined Salt as head of post-production. Also joining Salt, Kenzie Wilbur as VP of Partnerships and Development. Rob is from Spotify. Kenzie is from Luminary. Uh, so Salt uh, certainly uh, growing as a production company. Um, Crowd Network now has another senior producer from the BBC. He's called Rob Roberts Facey. Uh, and he is going to develop a new sports division at the uh, company which is based in Manchester in the UK, friend of the show. Um, and Pacific Content, uh, two more big uh, losses from Pacific Content. Now, they were bought by a company called Rogers, uh, who are a large Canadian media conglomerate in May of 2019. Um, their co-founders both left the company at the end of April uh, this year, hmm, exactly three years later. I wonder whether that's a coincidence. I bet it's not. Um, and uh, two more people are to leave Pacific Content. Jonas Woost, uh, who's been on this show before, and Dan Meisner, who has not been. Uh, Dan is um, their director of audience development. He does a load of really good, clever, clever statistics around... Um, podcasts around podcast consumption and specifically around something that he's developed called podcast neighborhoods um, which are a great way for you to know where to advertise your show who to do uh, deals with uh, to get more people listening to shows like yours he's a really bright person so we're looking forward to getting him on in early august um, he might have a new plan by then who knows uh, but he is leaving alongside uh, Jonas Woost uh, too um, they've both been uh, you know incredible people for that particular company and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next yeah um, Salt was the one I went and had a look at but they've just got a holding page so I couldn't find anything more about them do you know anything more about Salt? You're absolutely right. You know, the, the website that they have is, um, it's a logo and uh, it's the word Salt. And that's about as far as you get. Um, so perhaps they're concentrating on the things that matter, um, which is probably making sure that, uh, <laughs> that they actually have some, some decent uh, shows uh, out there. But for example, they do a 
show uh, which is called Become, which is a health and wellness podcast. It's a very short one. It's about a 15-minute thing um, that they make for Amazon Music. It's a daily dose of relaxation and mindfulness. Um, so it's that sort of thing that they are currently making. Uh, a good little little company, and I think uh, growing very, very fast at the moment. Mm. Now, a couple of new jobs out there. One that was quite interesting, head of podcasts at Bloomberg Digital. Uh, yeah, Ash- you could be Ashley Carman's boss. <laughs> uh, if, assuming that Ashley wants to make a podcast, which who knows? Who knows? She might. Uh, and there's also another one: a senior product manager for discovery and distribution in the consumer experience at Spotify, based in London. So two meaty jobs there. Two meaty jobs. Where's uh, Spotify based in London then? I think they're up near the New Observer building, but um, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I can look that up. Well, uh, yes, I think it would be fun just to find out, wouldn't it? Uh, see where they are, see if they're in a nice part of town rather than a rubbish part of town. Um, how's your week been then, uh, Sam? Well, very interesting. I resigned from Viral Tribe, oh. so that was quite good. What? Um, Yes, so maybe I'm going for the head of Bloomberg's job. <laughs> Good lord, what what was Viral Tribe? You you uh, is is this is this the thing that you have been talking about for the last six months and you weren't going to tell anybody? Yeah, my secret little project that I was working on. I mean, Adam and Dave saw it, and uh, their quotes were were that it's one of the best things I've ever seen. It was lovely quotes, and yes, and uh, I know you've seen it as well. Um, and to be fair, I've seen it too. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, but no, I'm uh, I'm stepping down as CTO. For there so uh anyone needs a cto let me know um i'm obviously doing <laughs> doing other things as well so uh, but yeah now i'm stepping down for viral tribe so that's my big announcement this well, week well there you go so you've got plenty plenty of more time to record to what uh, to record more shows or to do a breakfast show for a radio station or something <laughs> exactly by by the way spotify is based at the adelphi uh, the icon of modernist architecture right in the heart of London. Uh, it, it overlooks the Thames. Um, yes, very nice. Uh, it's got a first floor barista. Uh, it also has recording studios, obviously, listening rooms, green rooms, artist lounges, all kinds of exciting things, and a juice bar. Uh, so uh, there you go. I'm, I'm glad I looked it up. Oh, very nice. There are 53 jobs uh, going in London at the moment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, it, that could be you, uh, or you could be, or you could be working for payment strategy and, and integration. Uh, no, uh, you could be the premium proposition Sorry. manager. So what no? was that job oh, again? You, uh, you senior be... product manager. I'll be, I'll be knocking on that door <laughs> shortly. Then. Or you could be a staff web engineer for Soundtrap Core, whatever that is. Could be me. Anyway, yes, you asked about my week. Uh, my week has been good. My week has been very busy, actually, and um, <laughs> possibly a little bit too busy. Um, but uh, yes, it's been a, a relatively cold week uh, here in uh, sunny Australia. So I'm looking forward to it heating up a little bit. We can get some of your heat. Mm. Not, not, not all of it, uh, but some of it. That would, that would be nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and looking forward to uh, hopefully getting uh, some of the mountain of work that I currently have off my plate. Well, that would be good too. Uh, yes, don't talk about heat. Brits don't do it very well at all. Yes, uh, so I hear. Um, and that's it for this week. If you like Podland, tell others to visit. Tell your friends on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, or on MySpace. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at comments at podland.news or 
better still, send us boostograms. You'll also find all our previous shows and interviews on our website, podland.news. Yes, if you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app. And all the stories we've discussed on Podland today are in the show notes. We use chapters and transcripts too. Our music is from Ignite Jingles, and we are hosted and sponsored by our good friends at Buzzsprout and Squadcast. Keep listening. Thank you.